So let's read together this first psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. As we look through this first psalm, I just want to give you a brief overview of the whole book of the psalms. And there's a lot more that we can say about the whole book. But there's a few things I just want to mention before we start looking at the first psalm in this book of psalms. You may know that the book of psalms, all the 150 psalms, are divided in five smaller books. You will see that in your Bible you start here at book 1, and then at Psalm 42, you will see book 2. So the total of five books. So 1 to 41 is the first book. Psalm 42 to 72 forms the second book. And then 73 to 89, the fourth book. And then up to 106 is the, the fourth book. And then the end, 107 to 150 is the final, the fifth book of the Psalms. Now some of the Psalms are grouped together with a similar theme. So if you look at Psalm 93 till 100, all of these Psalms deals with the Lord, who is our great King. He is the one who rules the earth. He is the Lord of the earth. And then another number of Psalms, and we looked at those not so long ago, is from Psalm 120 till 134, the Song of Ascents, sung by the pilgrims as they moved off, as they went to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And then the final section is 146 till 150, which are a range of various songs of praise. So these psalms are a great way for us to help us to glorify and to magnify the Lord our God. It helps us in giving Him praise during our worship, but also in our personal life. Many of these psalms help us to focus on the sovereignty of God, on His justice, on His faithfulness. It speaks about the love of God for His people, but also of the greatness of God, the power that He has because He is the Creator God. And in that we see that He is our rock, He is our refuge. In Him we found rest. So these psalms, as they are part of Scripture, they are inspired um, through the Holy Spirit. God, through His Spirit, inspired the authors. And as we sing these psalms, as we read these psalms, God speaks to us through these psalms. 
And as we do so in singing these psalms or reading or even praying through those, it will in some way maybe challenge us, but it also will encourage us. And sometimes it may stir up our faith and our commitment to Him. And whatever experience you have, whether that is a joyful experience, whether you are content with life, or maybe you're feeling anxiety and maybe stressful times in your life, there will be a psalm in this whole book of psalms that will echo that experience. So again, I encourage you to make use of these words that God speaks to us. And we can use these words to focus our minds on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now as we make a look, or as we make a start in this book of Psalms, so Psalm 1 is what we're going to look at today, is actually closely connected to the second Psalm. So one of the earlier Christian leaders actually combined Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 together as one Psalm. And one of the reasons for doing that is if you look at the structure of both of those Psalms, you will see that Psalm 1 starts with a beatitude. Blessed is the man. And then Psalm 2 ends with a beatitude as well. Psalm 2 verse 12. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So those two Psalms are bookended by these two beatitudes or blessed statements. So Psalm 1 speaks about the contrast of God's man against the the man of the wicked. So how God's man, the godly, are in contrast to the wicked or the sinners. And Psalm 2 then describes the contrast between God's king and the rebellious kings of this world. But both of these psalms, at the start of the book of the psalms, they will help us to focus our minds on the Lord Jesus Christ, on our Father, on God. So as we worship Him, as we come to Him, we do so uh, with, the, with a heart full of worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Psalm 1, the question that addresses by Psalm 1 is, where do you find true happiness? And that is a question that is, in all of our lives, everyone in today's society have that question. I want to be happy. Where do we find true happiness? Do we find that in being rich, in being healthy, or being successful in either a work career or successful in sports? So where do you find true happiness? In this psalm, it comes with a different answer. It's not in being rich, not in being healthy. But true happiness comes from the lighting in the law of God. So when we look at Psalm 1, instead of um, focusing our minds on how we praise God and how we sing His praises, it starts slightly different. Psalm 1 is actually more a psalm of instruction or a prayer of instruction. And it instructs us how to worship God, what is true worship to our God. And we see in this psalm that true worship is centered on the teaching revealed by God in his word. So Psalm 1 help us to focus our minds on the Lord Jesus Christ, on his word. It draws our attention not to outside things of worship, like how do we sing, 
what um, do we need, the, the, the way we sing God's praises, but it focuses our mind on what we sing, the message, the words that we use to praise God. And we see here that man-made religion often leads to misery. But if we focus our worship on the Lord Jesus Christ, it will bring us to happiness. So the start of the book of Psalms help us to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we go through the whole book of the Psalms, various Psalms that uh, speaks about God's power, speak about God's love, then towards the end, as we come to the final Psalms, we cannot but praise Him. And that's why at the end of those Psalms, that we have those great hymns where we sing our praises to the Lord Jesus Christ of what He has done for us. So in this Psalm, it talks out what it is to be truly blessed and ensure that it is being righteous. So that makes us truly blessed. So the theme of this sermon, looking at Psalm 1, are given as true worshippers of the Lord. And there's two um, points we're going to look at. First of all, we can look at two con contrasting ways. And that is going to focus on Psalm verse 1 till verse 5. So we'll see the way of the godly and the way of the sinner. So two contrasting ways. And then our second point in which we're going to look at the final verse, we're going to look at two contrasting outcomes. So first of all, there are two contrasting ways. And Psalm 1 very clearly draws that contrast between two different groups of people. On the one hand, we have the righteous. On the other hand, we have the wicked or the ungodly or the sinners. And we see that throughout the whole psalm. We see that in um, the one who delights in the law, he meditates day and night. That's the godly. And then the wicked, he will not stand in judgment. Sinners will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. So throughout the whole psalm, we see those two um, groups of people. So let's first look in Psalm verses 1 till 3. We look at the godly, the one that delights in the law of God. Now the psalm starts with blessed. So blessed is the man. And this man is then for mankind or the godly man. Now the word here, blessed, is very familiar to us. We see that in the Beatitudes. That, um, that Jesus spoke during the Sermon on the Mount. But the word blessed here is not used in a term of bestowing a blessing, a blessing upon someone, like we see in the um, number 6, verse 24, in the benediction, where we say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The word here for blessed is a different word. The word that's used here is asher. Now that Asher, you may be familiar with it, but the word means to be in a happy position. And the sim a word that's very similar, or likes, uh, sounds like it, is Asher, which is one of the sons of Jacob. So Liam, when she born, uh, gave birth to the son, she calls him Asher. And the reason why is, we see that in Genesis 30, was 13, and Leah said, Happy am I, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. So that word blessed here 
means happy are those. So another quote, which I think is quite helpful to us from Isaac Watts. He said, religion never was designed to make our pleasure less. And you may find that in today's life that people think religion is dull, religion is boring. Why do we go to church every day of every Sunday? We do the same and the same thing again. People may see that as something which is dull and something that is boring. And this psalm encourages us that if we come to God in worship, it should give pleasure to us. It should be a delight to us. So we encourage us to ask ourselves that question personally. Am I happy? Why am I happy? Can I say that I am blessed? And is this because I am delighting in the law or are there many other things in our lives that makes us blessed but doesn't make us truly blessed? So I encourage you that if you want to be truly happy, then come to God and worship Him as He asks us to do. So the next psalm then goes on, how are we to be truly blessed? How are we to be truly happy? And the first thing in verse 1 that the psalmist says is we should shun evil. So actually the psalm starts in a negative way, which is maybe not what we would expect. So it doesn't say truly blessed are those who do this and this and this, but truly are those blessed who are not. And it mentioned three things. Does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Means does not follow the majority in the ways contrary to God's word. Or who does not stand in the way of sinners. And in that way identifying with those who, whose behavior is contrary to God's law. And finally, blessed is the man who does not sit in the company of mockers. So not sit in the company of those who ridicules faith, even ridicules God or dismiss faith. So we see in those three statements a kind of a downward spiral. So first we say walk and then we see stand and then we see sit. So first you may walk, which is, could be temporarily. Then you stand, which is more permanent. And when you sit down, you're not going to move again. So we see there a downward spiral. And it just helps us to see that even a small sin, you may say, oh, there's only this, or oh, it's not too bad. Even small sins will lead us into more and more and more sin. And we see that especially from David, how he um, pro progressively got worse in his sin. First of all, having a delight in a woman, finally leading up to murder of her husband. So let us be a warning for us that we should flee from those who do not walk according to God. Now here we see also um, another three things. We see the ungodly, we see sinners, and we see scornful. So we see, first of all, walks in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, and then sits in the seats of scoffers. Those three, again, goes in progressively worse. First of all, the ungodly, those who maybe re neglect their duty to God. 
Then second, we see the sinners, those who live in open sin, in open rebellion against God. And finally, the scoffers, those who actively scoff at religion. Paul, very helpful also for us, describe who are those who are outside of Christ. And we see that in Ephesians 2, verses 2, that Paul writes, In which you once walked, so they once were outside of Christ, following the curse of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Again, let us not follow those who are walking contrary to the word of God. Again, Paul urges us to do the same in Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. So what should we do? How are we blessed? We see that in verse 2. We should cling to the good things that God has given to us. Cling to his word. Mention here the law of the Lord. Which is not just the Ten Commandments itself. But his whole world. Whole word. Instruction that he has given to us. Now verse 2 starts with the, the word but, which gives us that contrast. And it may be better to say not just but, but, but rather. To give that great contrast between the wicked or the sinner and the godly. So truly happy are those who delight in the law of God and meditate on his word. So for them to meditate on God's word and to follow his, his law is a pleasing activity. Not just something that they think they have to do and it's kind of a burden upon them, but someone who takes delight in that. We read some of that in Psalm 119, but the whole Psalm 119 focus us on having a delight in the law of God, in his word. Now the law of God, as I mentioned here, is not just the Ten Commandments, but it can be used, the word can also be used in instructions. So it's the whole of the Old Testament and the New Testament for us. And we can see that, because when Paul, when he quotes from the Old Testament, he mentioned this as the law. So the way Paul writes about law is not just having the Ten Commandments, but he refers to the Old testament so for us when we see here the light in the law of the lord we could read that as the light in his word or his instructions and it's these divine instructions that helps us to follow god and to walk in his ways another psalm that speaks about is psalm 17 and we read in the fourth verse by the word of your lips i have avoided the ways of the violent so as we meditate on God's word and as we read his word it will help us to follow Christ and to not um, walk, walk stand or sit with the sinners now the word meditate here is taking to heart God's revealed and instructions and living by it it's not just a mere intellectual exercise that we know what is in there, but that we know it by heart and that we use it to feed ourselves and how we live by it. 
So the question I would like to ask you and ask myself, what is the law of God to us, to me? What is God's word to us, to me? What place has that in your life? What place has that in my life? When I read through God's word, through his law, does that give me great delight? Does that fill me with joy? Does it fill you with joy? As we go into the verse 3, we see the result of that. So the result of those who delight in God's law. And in verse 3 here is the assurance of a godly man's happiness. If you do that, if you delight in God's law, then you can be assured of your happiness. And here, the godly are compared with a tree. And it's just not the only section in God's word where we see that. just want to read with you a few verses from Jeremiah 17, where we see a very similar picture. So Jeremiah 17, from verse 5 till verse 8. Verse 5 is speaking about primarily the ungodly. So again, we see that great contrast there. So verse 5 from Jeremiah 17. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in a desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. And then the great contrast to the wicked. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So here we see the righteous being compared with a tree that is planted at a stream of water. Now it's interesting to see here that we are compared, for those who are blessed, are compared to a tree. So the tree is planted there, and the tree hasn't done that himself. The tree is planted by someone else at that stream of water. So here, we are in a sense being planted by Christ, by God. He is the one that plants us, plants us at this stream of water. It is through God, through the grace of God, that He works in us. He puts us at the stream of water. And this river is a picture of the means of grace that God has given to us. The means of grace, which is God's Word, the sacraments, and prayer. So God puts us, puts us in contact with these means of grace so that we can be fed by it. And as we partake of these means of grace, <coughs> in it, it will help us to be fruitful. It speaks a bit how the leaves, so and it leaves does not wither. Now some commentaries here compares the leaves with our faith, our profession of faith. So if we are as Christians planted at that streams of water, our faith will not wither. We will continue to live in faith. And our faith will go stronger and stronger as we are at the streams of water. As we are 
um, using the means of grace given to us. So the resulting picture of that is that those who do that will prosper. They will flourish in all that they do. And what we mean here by all what they do is focusing on fulfilling the purpose of our lives, which is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So Christians who delight in God's law, who meditate on His word, that will produce in us fruit. Fruit of the righteous. And it will help us to proclaim Christ to others, so that others may come to Christ as well. Now we should not see here this prosper as, in a sense, for prosperity gospel. It will not always go well. There will be times of suffering in a person's life. Even those who are faithfully following Christ, there will be suffering, there will be trials. And we looked at that not so long ago in James. But these sufferings, these trials will help us also, again, to be stronger in our faith. Isaiah 53 verses 10 speaks about that the will of the Lord shall prosper through suffering. So it's through suffering in our lives that the will of the Lord will shall or will prosper. And this suffering helps, helps us to become stronger in our faith so that we can even more give him glory and glorify him. So as we sing these three verses... I hope that we are being affected by the nature and the danger of sin in our lives. But we are re being reminded of the excellency of God's Word. So that we should focus our minds on God's Word. The power of God's Word and of His grace. It will help us to admonish each other. That we will meditate on the Word of God. And when we are in difficulty, when we are in trials... We will cry out to God to help us and to sustain us against evil and to strengthen us in doing good. So this is one side we see the picture of the godly. In verse 4 to 5 we see the contrasting ways, which is the way of the godless. And we see that in the stark contrast to the godly. They are the complete opposite of the godly. They do not delight in the law of God. They are the ones who walk in the counsel of the wicked. They're the ones who stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of scoffers. They are not a valuable tree as the one who follows Christ, but they are compared to chaff, which is a worthless byproduct in the threshing of corn. So you want to separate the husk from the corn. The corn is the valuable part of the crop. The husk is invaluable, is blown away. It has no roots, has no stability. You blow at it and it is gone. So chaff is rootless, it is lifeless. And here the ungodly, the sinner or the wicked, all words which are, can be used interchangeably over here, are the ones which are like chaff. And we see in here that these words, so the ones who sin, the, God, the ungodly or the wicked, they will not stand in God's judgment. And we see that 
in verse 4. Sorry, verse 5. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So we will focus on God's judgment, that they will not stand. They will be found guilty. They will be convicted because of their sin. And nothing will save them. That sentence is irreversible. And here note that it doesn't say that if judgment will be coming. No, it expects judgment will come. And we see that in the New Testament when Peter writes about the day of the Lord. Again, assuring all his readers that the day of judgment will come. It is a certainty in our lives. So here, the psalmist mentioned that on that day of judgment, the wicked or the sinner, they will not stand. The wicked, they do not belong to the assembly or the congregation of the company of God's redeemed people. So we see those two contrasts. So the one who delights in the law of God and the one on the other hand who scoffs at God. But then finally, verse 6, we see two contrasting outcomes of those two groups. So there are two ways. So verse 6 starts with for or because. And this case it brings these two contrasting lifestyle or contrasting characters to a climax. That climax that will come at the day of judgment. First of all, looks at the righteous. So the one which we saw earlier who are blessed by delighting in God's law, meditating on his word. So we see that these ones are known by God. And it encourages us that each of us who are in Christ, we are known by him. We are not a stranger to him. He knows all of us, our ins and our outs. He is the one that chooses us. From before the foundation of the world, he is the one that chose us. He works in us through his spirit so that we will follow him. And we will look at that this evening. Just so that this evening Michael Cochran will come and will preach to us from Ephesians 1. Which clearly speaks about God choosing us before the foundation of the world. Because God has chosen us. He knows us, he leads us, and he guides the righteous. He knows us personally. He knows all our concerns that we have. We see that in, again, another psalm, Psalm 16, verse 11. <clears throat> you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. But also in Psalm 139, clearly speaking about God knowing us. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. So the Lord knows the righteous because he is the one that chooses us. And we can take great encouragement from that. That in whatever situation we are, the Lord knows us and he will bless us. 
I come across another quote from Matthew Henry, which I would like to read for you. It says, The Lord approves and is well pleased with the way of the righteous, and therefore under the influence of his gracious smiles, it shall prosper and end well. It is the Lord that works in us. He takes pleasure if we follow him. But all of this is because he works in us. And he works in us because he loves us. So the work that Christ has begun, has started in us, he will complete in us. And that is the great comfort that we can take from this psalm. On the other hand, the psalm ends with a the stark contrast about the wicked. But the way of the wicked will perish. So the psalm ends with that Star contrast in the beginning, blessed are, and the end we see the wicked, they will perish. And throughout the whole scripture, it shows us that picture of two different ways. There are no many different ways. There is no various options that we can choose. There are two ways and we need to make a choice. There is not a third option or an option of waiting and see what's going to happen. We either follow God and being blessed or we do not follow him and we are with the wicked and we will perish. We see that in the Old Testament where Moses, when he speaks to the people of Israel, paints the same picture to them, these two contrasts. He says, Moses says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. And I encourage you today, choose life. The alternative is death. The alternative is the wicked who will perish. So here we see in this first psalm an important message for us. That as we come to God and as we worship Him and as we live before Him, blessed is the man that loves and meditates on God's law. And that meditating on God's law is what God requires from the kings of the, of the land. And just finally want to take you to Deuteronomy 17. And although it speaks about the kings of the land, it will apply to us as well. And so when he, that is the king, sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law, approved by the Levitical priest. And, he shall, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it in all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of his law and the statutes and doing them. So this is what the kings of the land should do. But it's also what we should do. We should have this law of God on our hearts. Meditate it on it day and night. Joshua was one of the leaders in the Old Testament that has done that. And again, if you read from Joshua 24, he puts the same picture before the Israelites. Who will you choose? Will you honor God or not? And he is a type of such a king, of such a leader. It has the delight in God's law. But he foreshadows 
that great king that will come, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that great king is spoken of in Psalm 2. And there's a close connection with Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. But Jesus, who is King Jesus, he is the one who fulfilled God's law perfectly. And because he has done so, he has done that in our place. He took the punishment that was upon us because he perfectly obeyed God's law. So in this psalm, it actually speaks literally about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through him, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are blessed and we will be found among the righteous. So I encourage you, follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our King. Follow him, delight in his law, meditate on his words, day in and out. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, Father in heaven, Father, we thank you for showing us these two ways. Lord, we acknowledge that there is only two ways. Lord, help us to choose Christ, to follow him. Father, we thank you that we have that great promise in your word, that for those who are in Christ, who follow him, that they will be blessed. Lord, we know that we will ultimately be blessed by that great blessing when the Lord will return and we will receive, we will receive the crown of life. Lord, help us to focus our minds on him in everything we do, in the way we live, in the way we worship you, in the way we sing your praises. Amen. Amen.